Well, thank you, Connection Point. Uh, it's, it's a joy to get a couple of weeks in a row with you and uh, just be able to have this conversation together uh, about forgiveness because forgiveness is one of those things that's going to hit us at some point in our life and probably multiple times. And so no matter kind of what angle you're talking about forgiveness from, um, we've got experience for it. Uh, with it and some need to process what God's got for us with regard to, to forgiveness. Um, just so I know I'm not alone, have any of you ever done anything really stupid, like goofy, weird? I mean, you've, you've, you've kind of done something that wasn't that great. I did that uh, a couple of years back. I mean, I've, I probably did it yesterday too, but I remember something from a couple years back with my daughter. My daughter Leilani is seven now, but when she was about three or four years old, um, I, I did something totally dumb. Um, at night, we like to read books to Leilani, and when you're three or four, the books that you read are made of cardboard, and there's only a handful of words on each page. But I loved the time, because you'd go up into her bedroom, and you'd turn down the lights, and cuddle in bed. She would pick a book, and then I'd get to read it. And uh, on this particular night, she chose this actual book. I brought it with me. It's called Sharing. Hmm. I could tell it was going to be a riveting read right from the start. And so I'm just thinking, can I even stay awake through the duration of this? But I'm enjoying the time with the daughter and, and just kind of cuddled up there with her. And it started out, I mean, so fantastic. Sandra shares her orange drink with Billy. Oh, man. This is just, this, it's like Dickens. This is fantastic. And so by the time we got halfway through, to be totally honest, you know, I was hoping she was asleep and she wasn't. And we got to about the middle of the, the page. And I don't know if it was because uh, I, was, I was tired or the lights were kind of dim or whatever, but here's where the mistake came. I got to this page, and on this page, I'll tell you what the page says. What the page says is, Bobby shares his paints with Linda. That's what the page says. But in the dim light and my tired state, what I actually read out loud was, Bobby shares his pants with Linda. And it had no sooner come out of my mouth than I'm like, what kind of horrible kid's book is this? And my daughter didn't miss a beat. My daughter goes, Bobby shouldn't share his pants with Linda. I said, you're right. You shouldn't share your pants with anybody. And if Bobby ever tries to share his pants with you, Daddy's going to share his fist with Bobby's face. I just made a simple mistake. I can't even read a book for three-year-olds. You know, there's a difference, right? There's a difference when we, we, we make little mistakes. There's little moments, little missteps. We've all said something, something slipped out. We, we did something that was just kind of a casual. We weren't really planning it, thinking it through. And, and it might have landed kind of sideways and, and, and tweaked somebody a little bit. There's a difference, though, between these goofy things we do, little mistakes we make, and then these downright actually hurtful sort of moments. 
And we've all experienced the hurt that other people have done to us, the sin that people have committed against us. And if we're honest, we're also aware that there are these times where we ourselves have been the ones to inflict the harm, sin against somebody else, hurt someone else. And again, here enters forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a catalytic weapon that God has given us to begin a healing process. Where there is forgiveness, there's at least the the opportunity and the beginning of healing. Last week, we talked about those moments that come up in our lives where we need to forgive other people. And today, we're going to have a conversation about those moments where we need to be the ones who seek forgiveness from other people. The moments where we need to ask someone the question, will you please forgive me? That can be a humbling moment. It's not always easy. It takes courage and humility to ask the question, will you please forgive me? And when we go to someone that we have wronged or hurt and ask for forgiveness, that's a really big moment because we're, we're asking an awful lot of the forgiver in that moment. Last week, we talked about forgiving others, and we kind of defined forgiveness in terms of releasing the person and the situation just over to the Lord. Rather than us having to play judge and jury in the situation, rather than us having to bring justice to the situation, we release that person in that situation over to God and let him handle it through forgiveness. And in that releasing, that's an amazing opportunity. It's not always easy But God's desiring us to be able to kind of throw the weight off, throw the backpack off, release the weight of all that hurt and harm through forgiveness. But when we say releasing, there's a lot more to that releasing. There's a lot more involved in that forgiveness. When we say, yes, I forgive you, we're saying an awful lot. There's a book by a guy named Ken Sand called The Peacemaker. And if you're really struggling with a particular area of forgiveness, I'd recommend this book. Uh, They tell me that the church library here has a copy of it that you can get, or you can certainly get it on Amazon. And Ken Sand cites these handful of things with regard to forgiveness, that when we say, I forgive you, we're also saying things like this here. Forgiving others says, I will not dwell on this incident anymore. That's big. Well, why wouldn't I dwell on it? Because if you have forgiven, then you have released the situation. And if I've released it, then I'm not going to dwell on it. Forgiving others says, I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. Well, why wouldn't you bring, up, uh, bring it up again? Why wouldn't you use it against them? Well, because you've forgiven them. You've released them over to the Lord. Forgiving says, I-, I will not talk to others about this incident. 
Why? Well, well you're not going to talk trash. You're not going to gossip because you've released them from needing to bring justice by inflicting verbal harm uh, behind their back. Yes, if you read, you'll find that there are some appropriate people that you may need to have a conversation with about. There's a trusted person. There's somebody that maybe wasn't involved or whatnot. But in essence, what he's getting at, when we forgive people, it's done. And I don't say I forgive you to your face and then go rip you to shreds behind your back. That's not real forgiveness. Forgiveness also says I'll not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. Why? Because I've released you from needing to bring justice. I've forgiven you. And now that thing is gone. I'm letting God deal with it. That's also nuanced, though, like we talked about last week. Even though we forgive people, that doesn't always mean that the relationship gets restored. Sometimes it would be incredibly unwise or unsafe to get back into a relationship with someone. But that doesn't mean that you can't forgive them or release them. But the ideal is that, that God would use that extending of forgiveness to be a catalyst for reconciling relationship just like he did with us. The whole thing is couched in the forgiveness of God, right? We, we learn about forgiveness from the very character and nature of God. And he's called us to forgive others as we've been forgiven. But then I really truly believe that at the heart of God is forgiveness in general. It's making relationships that have been broken right again where possible. And so when I am a follower of Jesus and I know I have hurt someone, I know I have sinned against someone, then I believe that part of what it is to live out the ethic of Jesus is to be quick to go seek the forgiveness of somebody else that I've hurt. To be quick to go ask the question, will you please forgive me? And let the Lord kind of catalyze that whole moment into to, to healing. So if we're boiling it all down, it's not rocket science, here it is. We need forgiveness from God in particular. We, we need to forgive others like we talked about last week. And this week, we need to seek forgiveness from others that we ourselves have hurt. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open up to Matthew. Matthew's first book of your New Testament. If you're not real familiar, maybe, maybe three quarters of the way through your Bible, you'll find this book of, of Matthew. And, and Matthew, like Mark and Luke and John, give the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus while he was here on earth, his earthly time, his earthly ministry. And in Matthew chapter 5, where we're going to be, he, he's in the middle of giving the Sermon on the Mount. And many of you know this was a, a, a powerful sermon. And the likelihood is that he preached this sermon multiple times to multiple crowds. And it was such a phenomenal summary from Jesus himself about what the kingdom of God would be like. The Sermon on the Mount is a lovely picture of what it looks like for me and you to be a part of his kingdom. 
And in the part that we're going to look at, he, he has a, a good run on relationships. Here's some extremes and some everyday things involved in relationships. But when it comes to being a part of the kingdom of God, here's what relationships should look like. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus says this. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Jesus describes this moment that would have been commonplace back then. It would be a worship gathering similar to this, but the practices were different. What they were familiar with was coming in and bringing sacrifices to an actual altar. And the altar now for us has come to designate the place where we sacrifice, uh, offer our hearts, our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. For them, it was an actual thing where they would put animals up there, knowing that the sin in their life had been hindering their relationship with God. So when you came to the altar, your relationship with God was at the forefront of your mind knowing that, my goodness, I've sinned against you, and that's fractured this relationship, and something has to be done about that. And so in my worship, I'm coming and letting you work that out here on the altar, God. Now, for us today, the sacrificial system is done because of Jesus. Because of the person and work of Jesus on the cross, that put an end to the sacrificial system. But you and I, all have an altar in our hearts where our spirit and our flesh kind of war against each other, where we do business with God, where we process, we, we come in to worship here. And this can kind of be an altar of sorts up here, but you got an altar in your heart where you process your own relationship with God. And Jesus acknowledges something here. He says, if you've come to the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, you've hurt them, they've hurt you. Then he says, hey, take care of that relationship first and then come back and continue with your religious activity. Connection point our religious activity that, that should be centered around Jesus should produce in us the kind of heart that God wants for us. Another way of saying it might be something like this. From God's perspective, relationship comes before religious activity. God values restoring relationship more than just religious activity. If our religious activity isn't leading to any growth in our relationship with Jesus, any heart change, and then any subsequent change in the way that we live and the way that we interact, then what are we doing? 
It might just be religious fake activity. But when it's Jesus-centric, then that religious activity should produce in us a, a check. It should have moments where we're wondering, gosh, Lord, how's my relationship with you? It should also trigger moments where we go, I wonder how my relationships are with other people. You know, right, that there's a correlation. I believe strongly there's a correlation between my interpersonal relationships and my relationship with God. The times where I feel that I'm very sensitive to what the Lord's up to in me. The times where I feel really close and intimate with him. I'm tuned in with him. I've been spending time with him. Then I think that tends to, I hope anyway, to show up in my relationships with my family, my friends, uh, co-workers, you name it. The opposite can kind of be true. If I kind of check out on my relationship with the Lord, it's easy for me to check out interpersonally too. Or if I have interpersonal relationships where I'm withholding forgiveness when I know I should be extending it, or I'm reluctant or slow to go seek forgiveness for something that I know I did wrong or sinful to hurt somebody else, I'm thinking I'm going to ignore that person and those people. The likelihood is, is I'm also ignoring part of my relationship with the Lord. Because I think that God has such a huge value on reconciling my own relationship with him that out of the overflow of that, it can't help but it should impact my relationships with other people. We have been forgiven so much. We have been called then to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. And then I believe wholeheartedly that if we are brought to mind, someone has triggered into mind, my goodness, I've hurt them, I've sinned against them, then we should stop what we're doing and go make it right and then get back to the regular affairs, get back to uh, the, the religious activity because at the core, God's heart is to have these sorts of relationships that are so key for us. If you've got a relationship with Jesus, if he's rescued you, then I, I believe there, there's this massive shift that takes place. There's, there's two big ones that I can think of right off the bat. Here, here's a couple of them. One is we move from being hurt people to healed people. That when you are a, a, a person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that's all of us at some point, we're broken down, we're beat up, we're hurt. But then by God's grace, he rescues us, he forgives us, he then heals us. And then he continues to do a healing work through the rest of our life. Move from hurt people to healed people. And then forgive the lingo here, but I also believe there's a shift that he produces in us where we move from being hurters of people to being healers of people. He didn't just heal me for no reason, but then he's given us all a ministry to be encouragers and healers and comforters and the, the type of people who are, are proactive 
in, in reconciling relationships, especially when we were the ones to bring the harm. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And when we have sinned against somebody else, it's so key for us to go quick. When I was in elementary school, there was a kid named Shane. I still remember Shane. He was a bully. I still remember his last name. I won't share it because internet. But my goodness, I did not care for Shane. Shane was like the classic bully. And, and he was a bully with his words. He was a bully with his fists. And he hurt an awful lot of people. And he hurt me. He hurt my friends. And I, I, I got into one little scuffle with him. He was making fun of one of my friends. And uh, I had kind of had enough. And I got in a fight with him. And he hurt me way worse. I, I broke his nose. So that was cool. <laughs> my, mom my mom kept the bloody handkerchief from my first and only uh, playground fight, a fight of any sort for that matter. And yet, I found out just a couple of years ago, guess what Shane does for a living now? He's a pastor. I'm like, Jesus, you can't like Shane too? Don't you know what he was like? Don't you know what he did? And I had a hard time reconciling just in my own heart, knowing how much harm he brought to so many. And I don't know when he got saved, but apparently he did. Apparently God's gracious, not just with me, but even Shane. And it just was mind-blowing to me. If you're here in the room, you're a part of that online family, and maybe you were a Shane, and the amount of hurt that you did is, is innumerable. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. If you've been rescued by Jesus, you are forgiven of all that stuff. You're freed from it. If you don't know Jesus yet, the offer of forgiveness is there for you even today. What a huge blessing. But for all of us, like we've all had these, and we've all had those moments, we all have those people, those seasons, maybe pre-Jesus where we hurt an awful lot of people or maybe in the opening stages when we're still trying to sort out our faith or our relationship with the Lord. Even as a follower of his for some time now, I still hurt other people. And in those moments, it's hard because I just, I don't even know where to begin. But I can start with who the Lord brings to mind. I can start with the ones that I know and ask them the question, will you please forgive me? And if you do that, if I do that, then I think it shows that Jesus has been at work, like on my heart I think it gives the opportunity for the relationship to be healed or at least their heart to begin healing. Because you remember what it's like to have been hurt by other people. You know what it's like to have the damage done to you 
and how there's been months or maybe years where you've longed just to hear that person come to you and acknowledge what they did and say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? You know, like, it, it doesn't erase the past and it may not lead to the relationship, but you know just what that would mean to you. Okay, well then, if you have hurt someone, then you go be that person to start the healing process, to say those words, I'm sorry, to ask that question, will you please forgive me? Romans echoes a little bit of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Paul echoes it in Romans, Romans chapter 12. If you haven't read Romans 12 in a while, go back and read it. The chapter is so rich, in particular with what Christians should look like and sound like. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So followers of Jesus, here's kind of a benchmark. Here's a bit of a goal. Live at peace with everyone. Do what you can to maintain peace. Do what you can to make peace. Do what you can to seek peace. If you have hurt someone, then there's probably not peace right now. So go do what you can to Bring peace, live at peace. One of the things you can do is ask for forgiveness. And yet, I love the qualifiers. The goal, the hope is that we're going to live at peace with everyone if it is possible. Because it isn't always possible, is it? Sometimes too much time has passed. And if you use some discernment and get some counsel, it might be actually really more hurtful 10 years later or whatever to go back in and try to patch something up. That's very complicated and nuanced. Might need some help if you're in that situation. Sometimes it's not possible because you don't know where the person is anymore. They're too far away. There are situations where it's not possible, but if it is possible, go seek forgiveness. If it is possible, I like this too, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Because it doesn't always depend on you, does it? When it comes to relational tension, remember these three categories, your job, their job, and God's job. You can only do your job. And when it comes to seeking forgiveness, your job is humble yourself and go ask the person, will you please forgive me? Whether they choose to or not, it's not your job. That's between them and God. You are responsible only for your job. And I would love it if every time we went in humility and said, I know that I hurt you, I know that it's caused pain, will you please forgive me, that the person or people would say, 
Yeah. It did hurt. It did cause pain. But I'm choosing to release that pain. Release the situation. Release you. I forgive you. That's best case scenario. Healing can come. But you may go. And you may go to a friend, a family member, a coworker, whoever it is that you know you've had some issue with, and you may ask for, for their forgiveness, and they may say, no. And in that moment, you just have to trust you did your job. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, you did what you could do. And I believe God will use that in your healing. And then you have to trust that God's big enough to handle where they're at. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I think forgiveness is so rich and so deep. And when we ask for forgiveness, there's keys. Humility is one of them. Here's a handful of, of keys that I want to share as we wrap this up, when we are seeking forgiveness, when we're asking the question, will you forgive me? A couple of things to keep in mind. One, embrace humility. I will tell you, and you know this already, that wherever pride is, it's going to separate relationships. It's not going to fix relationships. Humility Humility cultivates some sort of soil that forgiveness can really thrive in. And I'll tell you this flat out. If you're struggling to forgive other people who have hurt you, there may be traces of pride in your own heart where it's making it difficult for you to forgive, even if it was a legitimate wrong. And I can tell you for sure that if you are on the other end where you have hurt someone and you're reluctant to go ask the question, will you forgive me? Pride's probably at the root. But when you're humbling yourself and asking God to bring humility to you, then I think there'll be this amazing ground that he cultivates in the soil of your heart It'll make you quick to forgive, and it'll make you quick to get up and go to a person who you know you have harmed and asked, ask them, will you forgive me? Number two, we talked a little bit about this last week. Remember, forgiveness takes one, but reconciliation takes two. It's just that reminder that I can say, I, I forgive you, and yet that may not mean our relationship is going to be fixed. I can even come to you and ask you for forgiveness. And you extend it, but that may not mean that reconciliation is on the horizon. That's the goal. That's the hope. But it's just not always possible. So you do your job and let God handle the rest. Three and four are kind of related when we're asking for forgiveness, make sure that you acknowledge the wrongdoing. And then number four, acknowledge the real pain caused to the person. Because there's something about acknowledging what you have done 
acknowledging the wrongdoing and acknowledging maybe some of the pain, the hurt, the ripple effect that it's caused that, that just drills down on humility. It, it drills down even on repentance. It, it's acknowledging to that person that you really have understood the harm that you have caused and where that might have led. We, we've all been on the receiving end of the half-hearted, uh, I'm sorry. And sorry doesn't always equal repentance, does it? But when you acknowledge, I'm sorry for doing this, Please forgive me for the pain that probably came in the form of this, that, and the other thing. It's acknowledging, my goodness, I'm really aware. And that's related to this last one. Don't just say sorry. Instead, ask, will you forgive me? Because when we just say, hey, I'm sorry, that's kind of a one-directional sort of thing. It really doesn't uh, elicit much need for an answer, and it doesn't necessarily acknowledge uh, any sort of humility or brokenness over what you have, have done, but there's something about saying, I know this is the particular wrong that I did, and this is the pain that I imagine came from it. You're free to share with me if there's more, and now I'm humbling myself and just asking you, will you please forgive me? Now you're asking for a two-way conversation. That takes us all the way back to the beginning of what you're asking of the forgiver, which is quite a bit. But if you've asked, will you forgive me, not just said sorry, and then they are processing really what forgiveness is, this full release, my goodness, then some beautiful things can start. There's a little boy that kept losing his temper over and over and over again. And his parents had finally had enough. They knew there were going to need to be some consequences. His, his mouth, uh, his temper tantrums, they were too much. They lived on a relatively big property, and there was a big backyard with a big split rail wooden fence way out back. They turned to their son, and they said, this temper tantrum, anger problem is a real issue, son, and it's, it's hurting us an awful lot. And it's got to stop. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. Every single time you lose your temper, we want you to take this hammer and grab a nail and take the long walk out our backyard to that fence way out in the back and hammer that nail into the fence every single time you lose your temper. And when he heard that, that made him lose his temper. Oh, this is stupid. He picked up the hammer and a nail and all the walk out to the fence. This is ridiculous, me hammering a nail. What do they think? I, this is my hammers the nail into the fence. Takes the long walk back. Over the next six months or so, every single time he lost his temper, he took that long walk out. About six months in, the entire fence in their backyard was filled up with nails. He was a smart kid, and somewhere on the long walk, he 
finally realized, gosh, this isn't worth my time. I don't want to have to keep doing this anymore. And he started to hold his temper. He actually went about a whole month where he hadn't lost his temper and he was excited about it. He went to his mom and dad said, mom, dad, have you noticed? Like, I haven't lost my temper lately. Isn't that great? His parents said, yeah, that's amazing. Here's now what we want you to do. Son, every single time that you hold your temper, now what we want you to do is take that long walk out in the backyard, go to the fence when you've held your temper, and remove a nail from the fence. And over the next several months, he held his temper a whole bunch, enough where every single nail had been removed out of that fence. On the particular day where he recognized it was the last nail remaining in the fence, he pulled that nail loose and he ran back to his house with it, waving it as he ran inside. Mom, Dad, look, look. This is the last nail from the fence. Aren't you proud of me? I've held my temper. I've, I've got this thing under control. I've removed the last nail from the fence. The mom and dad were like weeping and overjoyed and they said, we are, we're super proud. We're so thankful. Our household is different. Everything is great. But then the dad pulled the boy aside and said, but son, I just want you to remember. Take a look at that fence. The nails are gone, but that fence really will never be the same again. It's full of holes. Now, it's a sober reminder that, you know, the stuff that we do to people, it can be really deeply painful. And it can cause scars that last a lifetime. It's driving nails into people's hearts and souls sometimes. And I believe that asking for forgiveness can remove the nails from people's hearts so that healing can begin. But I'll tell you what I don't buy about that story. In this particular story, in this particular analogy, I don't buy that the fence will never be the same again, so to speak. Because when we ask, will you forgive me, and they say yes, that, that nail gets removed. And, and in the gap, we have a God who loves to fill up holes, to heal up damage, to repair places that have been ripped and torn, yeah, by our own sin, but oftentimes by stuff that has been done to us. We've got a God that loves to bring healing and hope and grace and mercy and forgiveness and tenderness and strength and compassion to fill up those places that other people have hurt. And that's true for those of you that have been hurt by people. His love and his spirit will be actively involved in piecing you back together as you extend forgiveness to other people. 
For those of you that you know, maybe you have hurt others and you get on your knees and humble yourself before people and you just say, I acknowledge the pain, I know what I did wrong, and I'm asking, will you forgive me? The opportunity there is for the nail to be removed and God to begin patching them up. You want that for the people around you. You want that for yourself. It's what Jesus has made possible for me and you. And so, maybe the Lord's brought to mind somebody or a couple people. That you know somewhere along the way you've uh, hurt or injured or sinned against. This week, make a phone call. This week, write a letter. This week, ask for a coffee appointment. Go do your job. And then trust the Lord to handle the rest. And in so doing, it's another release. You do what God calls you to do. And over time, I believe he pieces us back together in ways that we couldn't imagine. And so gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for these amazing people. You know exactly what it is that they're dealing with, wrestling with, processing through, the relational tensions or issues that they might be facing ones that might be are, are recent, others that maybe were decades ago. Equip them to extend forgiveness to those that they need to forgive. Give them courage to humble themselves and ask the question, will you forgive me? Of a person or people that maybe they've hurt. Give me that same courage, Lord. Give me that strength and direction. We thank you, Jesus, that in the altar of our hearts, we can come to you and offer our bodies as living sacrifices, offer our relationships as living sacrifices. Offer up stuff, let go of stuff, let you do work in areas of our inner life and our outer life, right there on the altar. Help us, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to face what we're facing in our relationships alone. So take our hand, give us discernment, and guide our voices as we respond, Lord, to who it is that we need to forgive or who it is that we need to seek the forgiveness from, knowing that you are the model of forgiveness in the first place. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.